you go flip a switch. I'm going to come back over here. This one's good, so I'm going to use this for a second. Uh, what's happening tonight? We got doors opening randomly. We got microphones not working. I didn't do it. All right, I'm preaching. Uh, so we talked about our gospel, the gospel presentation to the lost. We talked about ourselves being presented to God and the Lord looking for us to go ahead and present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about how we need to understand that God ultimately uh, is worth every moment of our lives. The song you just sang and we ended with love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. That is quite the statement that you just sang. Uh, it demands it. It is not a question of whether or not it is acceptable or if it's okay or if everybody else thinks it's weird. It is ultimately you and I giving our lives back to the Lord Jesus Christ is because He gave His life for us so that we could have a ransom paid for the debt of all of our sins. We purchased us with His own blood, and I didn't go to a bunch of verses this morning, but the truth is, you and I, we were bought with a price. Uh, that price at Calvary made it so that not only do you and I have redemption from all of our sins and the gift of eternal life, but we also have a duty and an obligation ultimately to go ahead and cast off the old master and go ahead and follow the new one. And tonight I'm going to continue on these presentations. And if you would, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, as I said, we aren't going to go to any strange places, I don't think, uh, overall. And I won't cover all the verses on these tonight. We'll kind of give you the brief overview. If you don't know all these verses uh, or where to find it's possible. Um, and that, way, that way I can... Have the night off, all right? Uh, but no, you can you can ask. Go ahead and ask. We have all the verses for it, or you can go ahead and look them up, all right? Look look through your Bible and go ahead and get a concordance and, and find them. I'll give you the right word, don't worry, uh, and you can find them. Uh, but here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, we'll pick it up in verse number 6. He says, I have planted, uh, speaking, of course, of himself, Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Uh, I like that. Uh, you say, why do you like that? I like that because I'm not in competition with anybody else. I'm not fighting anybody to get that soul. We're just working together to make sure it gets it, all right? Uh, it's, this isn't a numbers game. Uh, people play numbers games all the time. It's not about numbers. Uh, it's not about, well, I won four and you only won three and I'm better than you, you know, and all this. It's not about that. Uh, we're laborers together with Christ, and you're about to see that here in just a moment, right? But he says, uh, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Uh, you keep working. That's what you do. And whether you're the one who gets to finally lead them in a prayer and they, they trust Christ, or whether you were the one who was back there planting that seed and getting it down in the ground and starting to break that thing up and go ahead and help them, uh, or whether you're the one who gets to see the harvest at the end, doesn't matter. You get to receive a reward for your labors. Uh, I think I think uh, Don, Don, Don Moody has probably brought me more people to finish off and get to see, pray, and trust Christ than anybody else I know. Uh, he just hands them to me. And you say, what do you get for that? I guess I get a reward, but I don't really feel like I deserve anything. I didn't do any of the work. Like most of the time, they're so ready that they only wanted to talk to the preacher. Like, that was it. Well, is there a priest I can talk to? Because they're all Catholic, you know. And is there somebody I can talk to? You know, and so then they show up at my office. I go over and they're like, oh, yeah, that's what Don told me. I'm like, okay, well, he's right. I don't understand what I was here for. And then they go ahead and they're like, can I do that? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead and do that. Yeah. Uh, he said, what are you doing? I didn't really do anything. I don't really, I just kind of confirmed what Don was already giving them. And the Lord already had shown them and everything was all right there. And praise the Lord, they trust him. You say, but but you got that one. I don't really think I did. I think he got that one, and I just got a little blessing off to, the, off to the side. He did all the work. I didn't labor, right? You receive the reward of your labor, what you do. Now, you say you were available. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. The greatest ability is availability. Uh, but, 
But that was about all I was. I just sat there and I answered the question. It's the easiest things in the world some days when somebody else has done all the work and you just get to reap the benefits. But you're one. Whether you did all the hard work early or whether you get to just go ahead and see the end result, but whatever part you had, you had a part, and so we receive a reward. He says in verse uh, number 9, he says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Uh, here we have ultimately what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Is called that throughout Scripture, uh, earlier in Romans as well. He calls it the judgment seat of Christ. And we show up there and we get uh, a judgment for all of those who have built upon a foundation of Jesus Christ. They have gone ahead and they have received that first thing, the presentation of the gospel. They went ahead and took it. And then they are going to... Uh, choose whether they're going to go ahead and give themselves and present themselves to God to serve Him and to do things His way and to learn and to grow in His truth and honesty and righteousness and the way that He wants you to grow in holiness and being rooted and grounded in Him as opposed to doing all the things you used to do. And you're going to make those choices day in and day out, right? Paul, I die daily. I mentioned that this morning. And then he's going to go ahead and at the end, after you've decided and made all those choices, you and I, we die or a trumpet sounds and we step in front of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we appear at a judgment seat. And he's going to go ahead and give us something. He's going to present us with the rewards of our labors. And so tonight we're going to continue on presentations. I'm going to have a word of prayer because I need it. And then we're going we're gonna to get right into the last, the last two, the last half of the message. Father, I do pray you would just grant, uh, Lord, your presence, your guidance, your wisdom tonight. I pray that you'd help me to convey things just the way they need to be said. Lord, that Jesus Christ would be praised. I pray that all distractions would be able to go away. And Lord, that you would, Father, even cool the building down a little bit for us, Lord, so that that wouldn't even be a distraction. But Father, I do pray that you'd help us to see what you want us to see. And Lord, I thank you so much that you are, uh, Lord, you're so generously good to us. Father, you just, you loadeth us with benefits daily. And Lord, you're just good and good to us. And Father, I pray you'd help us to be good right back to you. Lord, I pray you bless the service tonight. I don't know if someone here is lost without Jesus Christ. I pray they wouldn't leave that way. I pray today would be the day of salvation. Father, that it would be now and they would call upon you. Lord, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here you are at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, uh, this is one of those things where uh, Paul earlier in Romans says that knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Uh, it's, it's a terror. Uh, it's a terror to be stepping in front of the judgment seat of Christ, I think. Uh, you say, why? Because we understand we're about to get rewarded for everything we've done since the day we asked Jesus to be our Savior. The foundation gets laid, and then we build on that foundation. Until the foundation is there, you're not doing any building. So before Jesus Christ, all that has been washed away in the blood of the Lamb. All, that's, all that past is gone. All right, That got forgiven and removed and taken care of, and now you get to start building. And what we decide and what we do is what He's going to reward, but He's going to give you a reward. That's the amazing part. Uh, you realize that, yeah, He bought us, and He paid for us, and He ultimately can command and, and absolutely go ahead and be a dictator if he wanted to and be like, you're going to live exactly like this and you're going to be a robot just for me. And he doesn't. He says, I want you to choose. True worship is a choice of love. Uh, you choose to worship. You choose who you love. Uh, it's one of the greatest downfalls of Calvinism is that it's not real worship if you were made to do it. <laughs> and God... He, he wants real worship. He wants a real relationship. He wants a friendship and a walk, and He wants to be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, say the Lord. He wants all that. 
So he's not looking to be a dictator. That doesn't work real well. So instead, you know what he says? He says in Hebrews chapter 6 that he is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love and how that you minister to the saints and do minister. He goes, hey, nobody else may know what you do, but I see everything that you do. Uh, you realize that there are people in this room that have done things this past week and had to take care of things and had to help and had to do whether it be here at church or whether it was other family members or whether it was friends of yours or whether, and you went out of your way to make sure you took care of some things that you really didn't need to take care of, but you went ahead and ministered to somebody. And I may know nothing about it and nobody else in the room may know anything about it, but the Lord saw it. The Lord saw what that cost you, the time that it cost you with your family, the time that it cost you with people, the time that it cost you to do this or something you just wanted to do. And you said, I'll set that aside so I can go ahead and do what God asked me to do and I'll take care of that for them. And you didn't say anything else to anybody, but you just went and took care of it. You think the Lord forgot you did that for him? Well, of course not. You're just going ahead and putting in some things into a building that you don't even understand all the things you're going to get. Uh, you look down this list, and ultimately here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you're looking down that list, and uh, you, have, you have six things that we build with. Now, I count three classifications, not in this list, but three classifications of reward that I find throughout scriptures. <coughs> now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, excuse me there. Uh, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I find three. Uh, I, find, I find three things. The first is uh, that we get white robes. And fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. You find that in Revelation. I, I think we get those. We're arrayed in those things. God gives us garments. I think that's part of our reward. Because it's listed as the righteousness of the saints. It's not listed as Christ's righteousness. It's your righteousness since you've been saved. I think there's an aspect there. You say, why? Revelation chapter 3, right? I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Nothing, but I count. But his answer is, <laughs> uh, you don't know that you're poor and miserable and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. There's that spot right there, Colossians chapter three, or sorry, First Corinthians chapter three. Gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Anoint thine eyes that I said that thou mayest see, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. That the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. That's kind of strange. I, you got to buy. You got to buy white raiment. Well, it's your righteousness. So, what does it cost? It costs you putting down your flesh so you can live righteous. There's a purchase. I think the white raiment is part of part of the price that gets given to you. The part of the reward that you gain that God wants to give you. He wants to give you a white robe. He wants to give you things out of this list right here. He wants you to get gold, silver, and precious stones. And he doesn't want you to get wood, hay, and stubble. So how do you know that? Because it goes into that fire and the fire tries every man's work of what sort it is. Quality. The Lord is all about quality. You ever notice that? He, he creates an entire universe. Quality. You realize how well the universe holds up? I mean, think about this. How many of you have tried to eradicate mosquitoes? How many of you like to eradicate weeds out of your garden? Have you succeeded? How many of you, brother, brother Steve Ford is not here tonight. Brother Steve really, really, really wants us to eliminate a rabbit. You say, why? Because he's eating the plants around the church. And he's tired of seeing them. Sad thing is, on the uh, security footage, I saw a deer walk up to those same ones. So we may have to wait a few more months and uh, go ahead and take care of that too. But anyways, um, you, ever, you ever try to stop? Animals from reproducing. You ever stop trying to get grass to? You ever stop trying to do? Have you ever stopped God from being able to let his 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 creation just runs? 
Mankind looks around and they go, I'm amazing, I built a car, and it falls apart in less than 20 years. God put up a tree that stands there for hundreds of years and produces as many more as He wants and goes ahead and just keeps growing, and mankind can't figure out how to make one thing last for more than 15 minutes. Right? I mean, that's in comparison, that's the idea. Mankind goes ahead in their greatness and they go, oh, we're amazing. Look what we can do. And God's like, I built a universe. You guys messed up and it's still running better than anything you've ever built. Right? I mean, let's face it. He's got, he has got the corner of the market on greatness. That's what he does. You say, what is he trying to do? He is trying to set you up for greatness. He's creating and He's moving and He's working. And as He looks it over, He says, okay, I've got these things for you. I want to reward. I want to give you white raiment, but I also want to go ahead and give you some things to build with that will last through a fire. And wood, hay, and stubble don't last through a fire very well, but He's all about quality. The Lord has no lacking of building quality. And so, he says, hey, I can build if you'd let me. I can give you the best stuff. And his best stuff, he lists as gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, uh, wood, hay, and stubble is a great picture out to mankind and his own self-righteousness and all the things he can do himself. Doesn't last very well. Making a great name for him. Uh, You can go throughout. uh, You can find different references throughout the scriptures for all of those. Uh, but the truth is, God wants you to understand. He wants you to get gold and silver and precious stones right here. He wants to give those things to you. Now, you and I in our life right now, uh, gold, silver, and precious stones are valuable. Now, this is going to sound really terrible, but most of you have heard it before. He paves the streets with gold there, Right? Silver isn't even mentioned. And he makes his walls out of precious stones and his foundations. Okay? So if I said to you, all right, I'm going to reward you for greatness. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some concrete, <laughs> some asphalt, and I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, Give you, give you some sheetrock. Now, some folks would take sheetrock right about now, right, Mike? Uh, but if that's what I was paying you with, now if you're building something, great, awesome, fantastic. But you realize that's the way he describes what he's giving you. So it's obviously not necessarily those things in that manner. He's not over there making bricks of gold and going, okay, Brother Viscom, good job, buddy. Here's your brick of gold. Don't know what you're going to do with it, right? So either there's, two, there's one of two things that I, have, that I have thought about, and many of you have heard these. But the one side is uh, either it doesn't mean any of those things literally. It's something worth value that you and I don't understand, and so he went, Gold, silver, precious stones. Why? We understand gold, silver, precious stones, right? Uh, We understand those things. So maybe there's an economy there that you and I don't understand, and so he just says gold, silver, precious stones. Because if we think this whole thing out all the way to the end, gold, silver, precious stones are rocks and dirt. That's what it is. That doesn't mean much there. Or the side that I think that it may be, and many of you have heard it, and I don't know how much you like it, Maybe you hate it. I don't know. Uh, Those could be the building blocks off of the foundation that you built. Like he says, and I go to prepare a place for you. And what if your eternal home is constructed upon what you build by what you give him? He's building the way and you hand him the next one and it's wood and he sets it in place. You hand him the next one and it's gold and he sets it in place. You hand him the next one, it's a brick of silver and he puts it in place. But then you start handing him a whole section of stubble and hay and he's building that wall going, 
When I burn this, this is going to be a real weak spot in this house. You say, well, I don't really know. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Hmm. It's funny. He wants you to get white raiment that he's going to give you so you're not naked. Maybe he's counseling you to get gold, silver, and precious stones so you're not homeless. I don't know. I, I'm not giving that as gospel fact right there. But boy, that's a weird thought, isn't it? He doesn't want you to be naked and he doesn't want you to be homeless. You say, what are those things? How do I get those things? Well, uh, we know precious stones. Those are probably the easiest one on the list, right? Uh, you are lively stones. He talks about us as lively stones in Peter. Uh, of course, those are souls that you've been able to win to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe silver to be the price of redemption. Throughout the scriptures, it's the price of redemption. Say, so what is that? I believe that's giving somebody the gospel. I think that's presenting the gospel over and over again. Talking about Jesus Christ. He's second in the Godhead. He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph, he goes ahead and gets silver as the second to Pharaoh. Silver is all of his signets and things and the silver cup that he has and all that. All points to him. So that would indicate silver is pointing toward Jesus Christ. I think it's the price of our redemption. The more you talk about the price of your redemption, the more you talk about Jesus Christ, the more you witness, I think the more silver you're going to get. Say, so well, what's gold? Gold pictures out to deity. Always in the scriptures. Everything. Why was the tabernacle overlaid with gold? Everything was overlaid with gold, 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 more gold. Gold. Why? Because it was God's place deity why did solomon go ahead and overlay everything or build everything out of gold because it was a picture to a kingdom that jesus christ would rule and reign over as god on the earth it's a picture out to everything over and over again you say what then what is what is god get, how do i get gold that way what is deity i can't be deity i'm not god yeah but if you would be willing to submit to him and prove that he is god to you You'd be willing to present your body a living sacrifice? I bet you're going to get gold for that. Over and over and over again. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. If you please Him, your Creator, you get gold. That just seems logical. You say, you don't have an exact verse for that. I don't have an exact verse for that. You just look at the pictures. But it makes sense to me that deity giving him praise and holding him up as who he is as God and praising him and worshiping him and giving him glory and then giving out the gospel goes ahead and gets you silver and then you get to win a soul and you get precious stones. He's, he is not the one who's going to forget about your work and he is not the one who's going to miss out on a reward. He always knows what you're going to get. And he knows what it's worth. The last, the last section, you've got the white robes. I think you've got a mansion. And then uh, the last are those crowns, right? Those five crowns. You have the crown of glory, the preacher's crown, right? Not everybody gets that. That's for those who go ahead and feed the flock of God and take the oversight thereof. But there's the crown of rejoicing. When you see a soul saved, you get a crown of rejoicing that fadeth not away. That's one of the crowns you never lose. There's a verse in there that talks about uh, let no man take thy crown. Well, that's a crown you can't have taken from you. Probably a good idea to get at least one of those. At least then you know you got something to hold on to at a judgment seat when you go and see Jesus Christ. Probably be a good plan to get one of those if you could do that. Go ahead and witness to everybody you can and go ahead and get somebody. Somebody will, somebody will take it. You, you present it long enough, you know what? Somebody's going to take it. Crown of rejoicing. And then you got the crown of life. For those who endure temptation, 
Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. Enduring temptation, you know what that gets you? Crown of life. The incorruptible crown is one that is for those who are temperate in all things, balanced, well-balanced. That's a hard one to keep some days. Staying balanced. Everything in order. Temperate in all things. We like that word all right up until it says things like that, right? Can't you just say temperate in most things? Can't I just have one area where I'm not having to keep everything? In? Nope. Not for that crown. Then he says that uh, you could have the crown of righteousness for all those that love his appearing. Those are the five crowns. I, I, think, I think probably the best ones you can get, or the easiest ones anyways out of all of them, would be to love his appearing and go ahead and get some souls. By the way, if you love his appearing, you're probably going to be going to get souls. You may not endure every temptation and you may not be able to be temperate in all things, but you can certainly tell somebody about Jesus Christ and look for him coming. That's low bar right there. That's standard Christian right there. You know what they ought to be able to do? They ought to have two crowns when they show up in front of him. That seems, that seems pretty high. I mean, don't you, do you think we could actually do That seems pretty low to me. That seems pretty low. I think you can get two out of five. That's not even, that's, I mean, if you're not a pastor, you get four at least, right? You can try for four. That's only 50%. I mean, I guess now in this economy, it's probably passing, right? I mean, I don't know. Everybody passes now, right? Just give them a participation trophy, shoot them on to the next level. They'll be fine. But for those of us who grew up in real math days, 50 was failing. <laughs> that, that's failure right there. And the Lord says, hey, couldn't you, couldn't you strive for the masteries a little bit? Couldn't you try to do something? If you're willing to try, he's willing to reward. That's what I like about him. Isn't that amazing? That if you'd be willing to try and go ahead and present your body and keep trying to give that to him and keep trying to give it over, keep trying to do it his way and keep trying and keep trying. And keep, you know what he wants to do? He wants to reward. And by the way, he's never in debt. When has the Lord ever been in debt to anybody? He promised folks a penny a day no matter what time they showed up. And you know what he paid? He paid a penny a day. He wasn't in anybody's debt. Day ended, he paid everybody. You think the day we're going to go ahead and get done and trumpet's going to sound or we're going to go home and we're going to be with him or you're going to step in front of a judgment seat of Christ, you think he's going to be lacking and being able to pay out all the things he promised? Payday's coming. Sad reality is a lost man, his payday's coming, it's going to be a lake of fire. If you're saved in here, you know what? Even if the Lord has everything burned up in front of him and you don't get anything, you yourself at least will get saved. You'll get passed, you'll get in. But how shameful will it be to step in front of him? He says in Revelation chapter 22 uh, that he is coming. He says, uh, and my reward is with me. The Lord stepping down, you know what he says? My reward is with me. He's got his wallet when he shows up. He's ready to pay. He has no problem fulfilling all of those debts that you think you may have. Well, God, you know, it just, it's not fair. I had to put up with all this and all that. And then the Lord's saying, wait a minute. It's worth serving me, isn't it? Isn't it worth having me? You think that I won't be able to pay and take care of and go ahead and you go ahead and deal with it in this life and I'll go ahead and take care of you in the next. You do what you need to do right now. You, won't, you don't think I won't give you greatness? You look around here and you, and you say, well, I don't know what God could do. Yeah, but set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth and maybe you'll have it better. Maybe if you be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, you might actually get your thought process in order to be able to go ahead and say, yeah, I want what's up there as opposed to getting my reward here. 
we get so focused on all the things here and we go, well, I want all these things here. And the Lord says, yeah, but I got all these things up here that are a whole lot better and they're eternal. You want to waste it on 70 years, but I've got it for all of eternity waiting for you if you'd, if you'd be willing. If you'd be willing to give me 70 years, I'll give you an eternity of blessings. How about that for a trade-off? You serve me for the rest of your life and I'll go ahead and take care of everything for all of eternity. That's the trade-off. You know, he, wants to, he wants to reward us. Could you imagine standing in front of the one who died for you, gave everything for you, was went ahead and laid down his life. You go ahead and look up and he's still got the marks of the cross of Calvary that went ahead and paid the price of all of your sins. And you look him square in the eyes and he reaches out and says, hey, I want to give you something for serving me. That day right there, him looking at you and just saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I got a reward for you. Now imagine standing there and he goes, well, welcome home. I don't have anything else for you. Just this pile of ashes. Because you wouldn't do anything else. And you're looking at the same one. With the marks from the beating. The holes where they drove that crown of thorns down on his head. Those nail-pierced hands and feet. And you look him in the eye and he says, I got nothing for you. You got home, though. You got eternal life. Here it is. And we're grateful we have the eternal life, but boy, don't you wish, don't, aren't you going to wish you had something to give to Him? Something to show that your appreciation for what He did and saving you for all of eternity. I don't know about you, but when I stand in front of Him, I'm hoping I get some, some reward. That I can go ahead and say, yeah, I did do something for Him. I wasn't just one of those freeloaders who went ahead and trusted Christ and then just walked away and didn't do a thing. He wants to reward us. The gospel, He wants us to give to the lost. The, he wants us to present ourselves to God. He wants to go ahead and give us a reward. Look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Lastly, in verse number 1, he says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Uh, the last presentation I'm going to talk about is the presentation of the bride to Jesus Christ. That's the church, that's us, those who are saved, who have taken that. We've accepted the gospel, and now we're going to go ahead and we're going to be the bride given to Jesus Christ. And Paul's statement about it is that he wants you to be as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's how he wants us presented to Jesus Christ. The comparative in the passage is that he doesn't want us beguiled and tricked into going against the simplicity that is in Christ. Ultimately, you know what he doesn't want? He doesn't want you pulled into any of the false doctrines that are out there. This is a question of doctrine right here. What the teaching is and what you believe and what you're going to stand for and what you're going to teach and what you're preaching and how you listen and how you work. The doctrine that we have. What we hold to about the Bible, what we hold to about Jesus Christ, what we hold to about salvation, what we hold to about heaven, what we hold to about hell, what we hold to about creation, what we hold to about all the, those normal pieces that you and I cover over and over and over again. He says, are you going to hold to that or are you going to get tricked into believing something else? 
Paul says, I want to present you as a chaste virgin. I want to present you as someone who didn't get defiled by all of the wrong thinking that is out there. That's what he's hoping for. The bride ought to be good on her doctrine, but notice also Ephesians chapter 5. I think it's interesting what he points out in these few spots that we're going to go to. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 21, he says, "For Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Ephesians 5, verse 23, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, uh, nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and, they, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. He goes ahead and brings in, right, the marriage picture. And he says, uh, you know what he wants? He wants the church to be presented. He wants to present himself with this church, a glorious church. His description is not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that they should be holy. How about that? Holy and without blemish. Say, so what is that a question of? How does he want to present the church to him? How does he want? He wants it to be pure. Their moral conduct. How they live day in and day out. You know what he wants you to be? He wants you to be able to walk up in front of him and not be dirty and tainted and twisted like every other person on the planet. He wants you holy. His statement about us is, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Well, how do you live holy? You live holy by presenting yourself a living sacrifice. Because the Lord had never asked you to do anything unholy. Without blemish? Yeah, but we live in this life where all the blemishes happen. Yeah, but He wants you to walk out of this life. And walk in newness of life. Because the old life's supposed to be gone. You're supposed to be a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. <laughs> all those new things are supposed to be His things. But we don't walk that way. In 2 Corinthians 5, we don't often walk in that newness of life from Romans chapter 6, and we don't often go ahead and remember that we're the new creature and old things are passed away and all things are become new there in 2 Corinthians 5, and instead we go back to the old things and we get blemished and we don't be holy. Could you, could you imagine getting to step in front of Jesus Christ who paid the debt of all of your sins and at least get to say, I tried to be holy. I know 1 John chapter 1 just as well as you do. If we say we have no sin, we lie and deceive ourselves, right? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a way to get cleaned again. He said it Himself. He might sanctify and cleanse it by washing of water by the Word. Getting into the book and getting the script. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Well, I'm not perfect. Well, Paul said he wasn't either. Philippians. 
I'm not perfect. Neither have I already attained. Then what was he trying to do? He was trying to apprehend Christ. Well, if I could just be like him. Yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, but he was trying real hard. Sad truth is, most people don't try anymore. We live in a society where the idea of trying is, uh, well, I'm going to just show up for about half a second and then be done. I already know I'm going to fail, so why put forth any effort? Because ultimately, the effort of trying makes it so you can try farther and better the next time. I, I referenced this before, and, and I've used this before, I think. Uh, but, you know, we go ahead and, and we go, man, I failed. And we focus on our failures so much. Right? We, we have to remember, right, the just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the just man also doesn't fall seven times in the same spot for the same reason at the same moment. Right? The just man is not like, oh, I fell over. Let me stand up and fall back down into the exact same hole. Right? The just man gets up and he continues on his way and may have another stumble later, but his goal is I'm not going to fall in the same spot the same way every time. Instead, I'm going to learn from my last fall so that I don't go into that same spot. I'm going to try to learn to make it so that I don't do the same thing over and over again. And instead, I'm going to walk circumspectly and try and see what I'm doing so that I don't do it twice. I want to learn from my mistakes, and I've talked about this before. Uh, you say, well, I, I, made it, I made it five minutes today without, without doing whatever. Good. Tomorrow I'll try for ten at least. That doesn't seem like much of a victory. You talked about that's double. You got double the victory. Well, yeah, but I didn't get full victory. Yeah, but you made it farther than you did yesterday. You had 10 minutes, go ahead and try for 20. All right, I made it 20 minutes. Okay, try for 30. Try for an hour. After a while, you know what you'll have? It won't be an hour, and it won't be two hours, and it won't be six hours. It'll be a day. And after a while, you know what you'll do? You'll go, all right, well, I made it a day. Let's go for two days. And if I made it for two days, let's go for a week. Okay, let's go for a month. I think I can make it a year. Okay, how about I go ahead and try and live right and do it God's way for the rest of my life? So where does that start? That starts small. You aren't getting a victory today? Okay, try tomorrow. You failed? Okay, get back up. Try again. Try not to fail in the same spot. Try to last it a little longer. Endure temptation. Endure. That doesn't sound fun. In case you're wondering, enduring doesn't really sound fun. Some of you are enduring the last part of this message, all right? We're enduring the heat of this room, okay? Uh, I promise I didn't break it so you all felt more uncomfortable and feel like the Lord is, you know, convicting you more. I promise I didn't do that because I don't like preaching when it's this warm in here, all right? Uh, well, what he wants to do, you say, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to change the way you live so that when you step in front of him, it's not wood, hay, and stubble. It's gold, silver, and precious stones. Could you imagine if you live holy and, un and unblemished in your life, what kind of reward he'd be able to give you when you step in front of him? That's going to be an amazing day. He looks over. Look over Colossians chapter 1. i gotta, I got to finish up. Two more, two more spots. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21, he says, And you that were sometimes alien, sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, ye yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in, in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. 
whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You say, well, I didn't really talk about the bride. No, but that does talk about the day we were presented in front of Jesus Christ as the bride. What does he want? He wants us to understand that, uh, that we were supposed to be going ahead and preaching and warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. So what were we doing? We were talking about the hope that was in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We were witnessing how your witnesses is going to affect the judgment. But it's also going to affect how the bride shows up in front of her groom. You get to the woman in Proverbs, right? Proverbs 31. She speaks of her husband. Her husband is known in the gates because of what she says. You don't think the bridegroom deserves you talking about him and his greatness and who he is? She's excited the day she shows up at, at the marriage because she's excited about the one she's getting married to. Are you excited about the one you're getting married to? For all of eternity. Talk about a marriage that's never going to break up. That'll be it right there. Guaranteed. All of eternity. Wouldn't it be amazing to bring somebody else in with you so that they can know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to know what it's like to have the creator of the universe know who you are and want to spend all of his time with you. It's unbelievable. Look over at Jude chapter 1. If you have Jude chapter 2, uh, we, got, we got another book for you. you can, we'll switch it out. No questions asked, all right? Just be like, I have Jude 2 in here. All right, I will go ahead and take that and give you another one, all right? If you have Jude 2, you got a problem. Jude 1, uh, we're going to go ahead and just read a few verses here, and I will be done. Uh, he says here in Jude, verse number 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Now we talked about all the other things in that spot right there. Being a witness and not falling and you know, without blemish and those things. That last piece, you know what it is? The presence of His glory with exceeding joy. What does He want? You know, if you accept the presentation that He gives you of the Gospel and you trust Him as the Savior, and you go ahead and decide you're going to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and you present yourself to Him to be able to use in whatever way He wants. When He goes ahead to present back to you the rewards that you've earned because of what you have given Him and what you have done for Him, and He pays that, and then He goes ahead and gives that, I think there's going to be some exceeding joy the day you finally get to see and meet and be married to the one who died for you. I guess it's going to be a joyous day. You realize that, I mean, it'll be a great joy to anybody who gets into heaven for all of eternity. But how much joy would you have to be able to stand there and go, I got rewarded? I got rewarded. I, got, I showed up the way he wanted me to show up the best I could do, doing everything the way he asked me to do it, trying to do everything in his power and his strength and his might and his understanding and try to do it his way. And when I got there, I didn't have everything right and I didn't do everything right. But boy, he cleaned up a whole lot and made me look great. And now I get to step into the joy 
of heaven with him forever. That's going to be a marvelous presentation. The wedding day is a marvelous day and it's supposed to be a joyful day, right? I hope when you show up in front of your Savior, it's a joyful day. I know the day we show up, we, we think about all those verses and we start thinking about all the times we failed and all the times we've messed up. Quit thinking about those, right? Forgetting those things which are behind. Get your forgiveness, be done with it. And go ahead and strive for the mastery. Go ahead and push forward. So that what? So that when you stand in front of him, it'll be with joy. And exceeding joy. He's going to be very happy to have you home. Melanie was gone for like three days, right? She left Thursday, came back Saturday. I was so happy that my wife came home. And not just because Uriah was driving me nuts. But that helped. That helped. Could you imagine the Lord who gave his life for you the day he finally gets to go? Everything's ready. Time to come home. It's going to be a joyful day. He's going to love to see you. I hope you're excited to see him. Go ahead and stand. I don't know what kind of reward you're going to get. Half the time I wonder what kind of reward I'm going to get. I feel like some days it could go either way, right? Boy, I hope I get to step in front of my Savior, have something in my hands to be able to give back to Him that He has graciously given to me. And I can be able to stand there with joy, be able to say, hey, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. How about you? I hope, I hope to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. As he presents to me my reward, and I get to present to him the fact that I was doing my best to be holy and unblemished in a world full of blemishes. If you're in here this evening, I don't know of anybody, but if you're in here and you're lost and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we can open up a Bible and you can know for sure your sins are forgiven forever. If there's anybody like that, we'll gladly go ahead and show you out of the Bible. You can come and we'll go ahead and do that. Most, if not all of you are saved and maybe you just need to do some business tonight. Please do. Please take the time. The Lord's willing to take time if you're willing to take the time. Father, I do pray you would bless the invitation to Him even now. I thank you, Lord, for the day you're going to be calling us home and we get to see our Savior. I pray that be today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead. And-